The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. Father God, that's a, a dangerous prayer to pray. Make me an offering. Father God, that we would be a people who bring and offer you everything that you might work in us and through us to fulfill your good purposes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. God, I'm done. God, I can't do this anymore. God, this is all just too hard. Have you ever prayed those prayers? I certainly have. Sometimes it's just the way life goes. Sometimes for me it's been because I tend to be foolish enough to take on some tough assignments over the years. And it seems like it's going to be a nice, easy road. And then when it gets tough, I start out well, but perseverance is not one of my natural character traits. I was talking with Minica on Friday, and she says they've moved home, so Minica's in her mid-30s, lives in Waiuku, and her and David were having a conversation the other day. Our two years here is up in November. Are we being moved on again? She says her entire life she's never lived in one place more than two years. And I said, well, I've had a bit of a history of doing jobs for three years and then moving on. And it's like, Perseverance is not naturally my thing. Her thing was she was born into, I think it was a military family, and that was part of it, and then the different things that followed on in years to come. But I often find myself in the place where I go, I'm not sure that I can keep going. I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure if I want to. And at times I'm not sure if it's worth it. Can you relate? So what do you do? if you're in that place. I know there have been times when I have given up and walked away. And there are times when that was absolutely the right things to do, thing to do. And sometimes it was the hardest thing to do. But we're told that there is a time for everything. And a season for every activity under heaven. There is a time to search and there is a time to give up. And there is a time to keep, and there is a time to throw away. And there is a time to step up, and there is a time to walk away. And there have been times when it was probably the wrong thing to do, but we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, and accord according to his purposes. However, whether we stay or whether we walk away, often in those seasons of struggle, that is when God gives us our greatest opportunities to grow. 
You know, the trees that grow strong are the ones that learn to grow against the storm. One thing Michael and I have in common, because of our age, we're both old enough to know and love the music of Amy Grant. And we're still young enough to remember most of the words. It also helps that it's on my regular playlist and that we have Google to help us. One of her songs says these things. God loves a lullaby and a mother's tears in the dead of night better than a hallelujah sometimes. We have this thing that life should be all good and we should be always on top. God loves the drunkard's cry, the soldier's plea not to let him die better than a hallelujah sometimes. We pour out our miseries but God just hears a melody. Beautiful the mess we are. The honest cries of breaking hearts are better than a hallelujah. The woman holding on for life, the dying man giving up the fight, are better than a hallelujah sometimes. The tears of shame for what's been done, the silence when the words don't come, are better than a hallelujah sometimes. We pour out our miseries and God just hears a melody. You know, the best friendships are often forged as you walk through tough places together. It's easy to laugh with other people, but when you cry with other people, when you struggle with other people, it boils something in that relationship. And it also does something in our relationship with God and our faith and our trust in him. I remember one Sunday morning at a prayer meeting, saying to one of the other ladies in the prayer meeting, I'm really struggling this morning. She says, well, tell God how you feel. And I say, can I do that? She says, God says, worship me with your whole heart. No friendship is all about just sharing the good times. God wants to hear your whole heart. As we turn this morning to Genesis chapter 22, I believe that Abraham's in one of those moments. When we read the story, it is so very, very calmly told. It's like held up as one of the true great stories of faith. But I'm not sure it was that easy for Abraham. For the last five months, we've been following the story of Abraham. Time and again, God has spoken to Abraham these promises. A call to a journey, a a land that I will show you, a legacy that I will give you, a blessing, and finally a son, Isaac. And all the way along we've watched as Abraham was stepped between faith and, and fear and back to faith, between failure and blessing. And now as we go to chapter 22 of Genesis, we read, Sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. 
When they had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and worship. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son's Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took a knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. I know that you fear. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide or Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and set off together to Bathsheba, and Abraham stayed in Bathsheba. How could God even ask that? More so... How could Abraham even contemplate taking his son? Bill and Michael and I were having a bit of a chat beforehand and Michael says, as a father, that thought of taking your son. And yet the telling of the story seems so calm. God says, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. And early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. The word comes and Abraham goes. So simple. At least that's the way the story is reported. Back in Genesis 18, when news came of the impending destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, You may remember Andy preached on that. 
And Abraham goes into this whole negotiation process and he says, God, if there are 50 righteous people in these cities, will you leave them? And God says, yeah, okay, for 50. And Abraham says, what about 45 and then 40 and 35? And so Abraham has this whole negotiation thing with God. But right now, God's not saying, I'm going to destroy two cities over there. God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him. And Abraham gets up early the next morning and heads about the business, or so it seems. Simple obedience. No negotiations. Of course, simple obedience doesn't mean it comes without struggle. When we look at this passage, many of us know that the region of Moriah, where Abraham is to travel to, is in the area we now know as Jerusalem. And it's believed that this mountain on which Abraham sacrifices or prepares to sacrifice his son Isaac is the place where the temple will later be built. This is the temple mount. And not far from there is the place a hill known as Golgotha or Calvary. And it's the place where God would have his one and only son. And his one and only son would be nailed to a cross. God understood what it was to give up something so important. But ahead of that, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, we're told where Jesus withdrew a stone's throw. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples have stopped and they're meant to be praying. They go to sleep and Jesus is over here kneeling down. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. It seems so simple, so calm. But as we keep reading, we're told that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. While Abraham stands preparing to sacrifice his one and only son, God provides a ram for the sacrifice. A ram to die instead of Isaac. And just a short distance away, almost 2,000 years later, God provides his one and only son to die in your place and mine. The imagery is intentionally unmistakable for while Abraham probably really didn't understand or know all that was to unfold 2,000 years from now, God knew. Because God is working out his plans and his purposes in Abraham and in Isaac. But the scene itself is overpowering. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is unparalleled. Elohim Adonai, God himself in human form laying his life down for you and me. But this scene in the story this morning, for me, comes a pretty close second because it touches so much more personally. That was God. This is me, a man, being asked to lay down my son.
Abraham, who will be the father of many nations, the father of all who have faith, preparing to sacrifice his one and only son. See, it's not only his son that is on the altar. This is the entire promise. For almost 50 years probably we've been following the story of Abraham. This building of this promise to Abraham, this great nation that he would be the father of and the blessing that he was going to be and ultimately the birth of Isaac. And now it's not just his son on the altar. God says, I want you to lay down your son and everything I've promised, everything you've hoped and dreamed of all these years. It's all on the altar. And while the story is told very calmly, and Abraham's obedience seems almost easy, I wonder at the internal struggle. Because if the Son of God himself struggled to the point that he sweat drops, drops of blood, I don't think Abraham went, oh, this is easy. I can do this. Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And I believe that that was the, the prayer in Abraham. Jesus, we're told, did it for the joy that was set before him. And Abraham knew what lay ahead, or he believed what lay ahead. We're told in Hebrews that by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. I don't think it was just, you know, we were talking before Bill says it's rational and it's like there's that rationality in it. But as we both understand as fathers, there's that it's not an easy rationality. Just because we believe and trust God does not make the journey easy. We may retell the story later with great calmness because we were trusting God. So just because you're feeling stirred up inside doesn't mean it's not God. Or doesn't mean you're failing. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. Faith acts in spite of the struggle. So this passage stands out in terms of its prophetic imagery as it points to the sacrifice of God's only son. And it stands out in terms of the evidence it provides of Abraham's faith, which is now fully formed. He does act in obedience in spite of whatever it is that's going on inside. And I could leave the story there, and it's a powerful story. But as I read the story, as I often read the scriptures these days, my question becomes, so what's my takeaway? What do I take away? What does, this, what does this say to me about my life? In 2 Timothy, you would have read it in the chapel chat hopefully, we have verses 16 to 17 of chapter 3. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And as I reflect on this passage, I'm going, I can't imagine. I can't begin to imagine if this was me 
being asked to sacrifice one of my kids. Unfortunately, God doesn't ask that of us. But there are so many things that he does ask of me. And then I thought of all the occasions when I've said to God, but God, I'm done. God, I can't do this anymore. God, it's all just too hard. For at least 50 years of Abraham's life, we've been following along as God has been teaching, rebuking, correcting and training Abraham in righteousness. Teaching him to live and walk by faith. Preparing him for this moment. And all of your life, God has been preparing you for this moment. Through all of the good decisions you've made, through all of the bad decisions you've made, from the moment of conception, God has been working out his plan in you. And whatever else he's done in your life to this point in time, he is preparing you for this moment. God has a call on your life. Part of that call may be in the past, but part of his call is still in the future. For we are God's handiwork, created by Christ, in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And if I'm still breathing, then God's still got things for me to do. Abraham was on a journey led by God, and he was learning to live by faith. His call was specific, and God granted him and grew him in the faith that he would need for this moment. God was showing. I don't think God needed to know how strong Abraham's faith was, that he would do anything, no matter what. I think Abraham needed to know that he had arrived at that point. See, God knows all things. He wasn't testing Abraham for his sake. He was testing Abraham for Abraham's sake. And sometimes God needs to test us for our sake so that when we do face that next challenge, that next mountain, that next obstacle, which just seems too much, we gradually get to the point as we grow in our faith that we go, Lord, if you're calling you will grant the faith. God grants us the faith to, sorry, God grants faith to us and grows faith in us. Not that we might be Abraham's, but that we might be obedient. We will never be called to do what Abraham did, but we are all called to be obedient as Abraham was. Faith doesn't make the way easy, faith makes the way possible. So what's God calling you to? And what is he walking you through? What's he asking you to surrender? Abraham's faith grew over a lifetime. You don't need to know or understand the whole picture, the full journey, but just take a step at a time. Many steps won't be easy and we might cry, God, if it is possible, take this cup from me. But remember, faith comes by hearing. and We need to keep listening to God through his word and through his body. 
to encourage one another. Keep listening to what God is saying and keep walking in obedience to him. As we listen, as we hear, then we learn to pray. But not my will, but thine be done. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatitu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.